Amen. Thank you, Mike, and praise team. That is my all-time favorite song, um, and I told Mike, if there's any way possible, could you work it up? And uh, Because I believe the word rescue is probably the best word to describe what has happened to all of us who have come to know Christ. We have been rescued. We have been delivered. We have been saved. We have been brought into the family of God. And and I tell you, that's exciting. And there's no other name by which you must be saved except for Jesus. And so, this morning, would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. As we take a journey through chapter 2, I want to really make a journey to the cross and take a look at the power of the cross and the wisdom of the cross for 2015. Now, some of you might think, what do you need in 2015? It might not be on your list, but you need the cross. You need the wisdom and you need the power of the cross in 2015. And so, let's take a good look at that. And I really want us to take a look at one verse, and I would like for us to read it out loud. It does not matter what translation you have, as long as you're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Can we read it together? Let's do it. Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and what? And Him crucified. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask that Your Word would come forth with power today. God, I pray that we would see You as Lord of all, that we would see You as Savior and Lord. God, I pray that we would see ourselves in need of You again in 2015. God, I pray that we would understand the wisdom and the power that is released on the cross for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. And I would like to just begin by encouraging all of us as a church. What kind of a church do you want to be in 2015? And some of you are saying, well, I want to still be the same church we were in 2014, a church that loves Jesus, a church that preaches the gospel, a church that's alive and not dead, a church that's growing and not declining. Those are the kind of things we want, right? But how about, I would like to see us be a church full of wisdom and full of power. And we don't get that on our own. We'll get wisdom and we'll get power when we understand the cross. That's where wisdom and power come. And so when when Jesus told Simon Peter, when he asked him, who do you say that I am? And And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Peter didn't even see the cross. I mean, he hadn't seen the cross. He hadn't seen what Jesus was going to do. And so Jesus said, Peter, that's great because you didn't come up with that. My father gave you that, and by the way, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A church that proclaims 
You're the Christ. You're the Savior. You're the Messiah. Well, then later on, if we read in Scripture, we find a great commission like we shared last week that says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We want to be a church that go that goes and makes disciples, right? Why would we do that? Where is our motivation? What causes us to hunger for the nations? If it's not the cross of Christ Jesus. That is where the wisdom is. That is where the power is. And that is what Paul is preaching everywhere he goes. And church... I don't want to be like the church at Corinth, by the way. And we're going to be reading in Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 2. You know why Paul's talking to the church at Corinth? Because they have forgotten how to be the church. They had forgotten that it is the cross of Christ that unifies us. And the church at Corinth was, well, they just weren't unified. They were not getting along. And if there's anything that helps us get along, is that we realize that the ground is level at the cross. That there is no one here that is not in need of a Savior. And we can all agree. See how we can all agree at that. And so we're all in unity. And so Paul is going to be sharing that in uh, chapter 2, particularly as we look at it. So keep your Bibles open, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me share some statistics with you, both good and not so good. John Maxwell actually put together some statistics on denominations, mainline churches, all right? Mainline denominations. 50% of the members of the denominations doubt their salvation. Don't even know whether they're saved. Half struggle with being saved at all. 80% of mainline denominations have no ministry where they're giving out or sharing with anyone. 80% set but do not serve. 80% do not even come to small groups in mainline church. Not with our church, right? Connect, we are pretty connected, but our goal is 100% connected, and that is small group and worship together. 90% have never been discipled or trained specifically. And then here is a very alarming story, and that is there are 10 churches closing their doors every day. We're done. We quit. We don't have enough to be a church. The average size of a church in America, do you know what the average size of a church in America is? 75 people. That's the average church in America. And guess what? 80% of those are plateaued and declining. This is not a real good picture, is it? And I hate to say this on 2015, but I'm going to get this out of my system and then we're done with it. We're going to move onward and upward. All right? But I want you to get a, a grip of what's happening. We're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves if we think every church has power. Every church is alive. 
And where is it that our power comes from? It does not come from a crowd. It doesn't come from the pulpit, the pastor. It comes from the cross of Christ. It comes from Jesus. It comes from the power released for us. And we are alive. Now, Let's take a close look in 1 Corinthians as we take this journey to wisdom and power. In verse 1, it says, And I, brothers, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, And in much trembling, my speech, my preaching were not with pervasive words of human wisdom, but I was demonstrating the Spirit with power. That your faith, look at this in verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but your faith would be in the power of God. Where is the power of God most released? The cross and the empty tomb and the resurrection, that's where the power of God is released for us. That's what we see. And so, let me share this story I found um, shared in a church in London by Dr. Campbell Morgan, G. Campbell Morgan, It says that G. Campbell Morgan spoke with a hardened criminal about Jesus. Dr. Morgan knelt beside him and he pointed him to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who could cleanse him from all of his sins. And he who had been a great sinner believed and was saved. Then Dr. Morgan saw the mayor of the city a man of high morals and greatly respected, kneeling at the same altar. And to him, as to the criminal, Dr. Morgan pointed him to Jesus, who alone could take away his sins. And in humble self-surrender, the mayor accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And a short time before this, the mayor had sentenced the criminal to imprisonment. But there at the altar, the two shook hands while tears of joy ran down their cheeks. For the worst of sinners and the best of position of morals, there is one Savior. So it does not matter whether you have blown it horribly or whether you feel like you are okay because you're not. It doesn't matter. There's one Savior for us all. Whether you're the President of the United States or whether you're a lifetime prisoner sentenced to the death penalty, Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I have come and I am preaching one thing And that is Christ and Him crucified. Why? Because that is the most powerful thing 
that there is. Paul reminded the Corinthians also about their calling. God has chosen those who are not wise. God has chosen those who are not, uh, that are weak and lowly. He does not choose us because of who we are. But in spite of who we are, Christ would choose us. Does that humble you? Does it humble you? Because some of you might think that Christ chose you because you grew up in church. Christ chose you because you're a good person. This ought to humble us. He did not choose you because you were good. He did not choose you because you had arrived. In fact, He chose you before you ever thought of Him. He loves you. Isn't that a great message for 2015? Some of you need to know that God loves you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. Talking to the believers here, God loves you. I like to say it this way. He's in love with you. In fact, He's crazy about you. The God of the universe loves you. Let that sink in. How much does He love you? Do you see the power of the cross? You don't even have to wonder how much God loves you. If you understand the cross, He loves you. Can we say the mostest? He's done all that He can do to tell you. Let's embrace the cross this year. Let's be a church that is empowered by the cross. The heart of Christianity is the Bible. Christianity used to be, you know what, Southern Baptist. I've been a Southern Baptist all my life. And in studying the history of Southern Baptist, we actually used to be called the people of the book. Now, I still think that's a good word, right? The people of the book. Oh, you're a Baptist. You're one of those people of the book. We actually believe this. I'm okay with that. Because the heart of Christianity is the Bible. The heart of the Bible is the cross. The heart of the cross is the heart of God, who is the source of all love. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Someone has said this, and I've got it up on the screen, I believe. I don't know where this came from, but it gripped me when I, when I found it. God took the worst thing that man could do to His Son, and He transformed it into the best thing that He could do for man. What's the worst thing that we could do to Jesus Christ if God came to the planet? If God came to earth, what would be the worst thing we could do? Torture Him? Mock Him? Disbelieve Him? Kill Him? Is that what we did? Is that what happened to Jesus? Yes. And yet, all along, God's plan was that in our mocking and in our killing Him and in our torturing of Him, 
He was orchestrating our own salvation. This is amazing. The worst thing we could do ends up being the best thing that God has done. Well, let's take a look um, at the wisdom of God. In the wisdom of God, how can the cross of Christ be the wisdom of God? Do you realize there were a lot of people crucified on the cross? What makes this one any different? Do you realize there were a lot of people on the cross before Jesus ever came? Crucifixion was a thing that Romans were doing, but crucifixion was not totally unheard of. So there was a lot of people dying on the cross. So we can't say it's the cross that is the power only. It's not just a cross because there were a lot of crosses. Why this cross? Why this person on the, why did that make any difference at all? Why can we say that the cross of Christ is the power of God? It's because of who He is. It's because of what He's doing. It's because of His intentions to take our place and to pay for our sins. It's power. It's wisdom found at the cross. There, in verse 5, it says that your faith would not... It, Paul's preaching so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith should be in the power of God. The reason that He died on the cross. The purpose of the cross itself. Verse 6, However... We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Let me just tell you what's happening in the church at Corinth. They wanted wisdom, but they wanted to know, how can I be wise? How can I be smarter than people around me? How can I be smarter than people out on the street? Because I want to be wise. I want wisdom. And they were trying to get it from real big philosophers and teachers. What's the danger of listening only to a teacher or a preacher only and not checking it out with the Word of God? What's the danger of that? Well, the danger is that you're seeking wisdom in a man rather than seeking wisdom in God. So I don't want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear God this morning. And I want you to hear the Word of God this morning. And so Paul is saying, you want to know where your wisdom is found? It is not found in philosophers. It is found at the cross. You want to be wiser than people on the street? Then humble yourself under the cross. You will be a smart man. You will be a smart woman. Because there is wisdom at the cross. The wisdom of God. Paul's talking about, I want your faith to be in the power of God. However, I want to speak to you about the wisdom of God. Look at verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now, The wisdom of God is a mystery. Well, it's only a mystery to those who are perishing. By the way, in this this group here today, 
When I talk about the power and the wisdom of the cross, if you have a real hard time with that one and you're like, I don't really get it, I don't really see it, a man dies on a cross 2,000 years ago, his name is Jesus, I don't get it. I don't see where there's power in that. I don't see where there's wisdom in that. Uh, How could that be? Because the wisdom of the cross is crazy to the lost person. There is no power and there is no wisdom in the cross to someone who doesn't know Christ. Does that make sense to you? Now, if you're here today and I'm talking to you about the wisdom and the power of the cross and you're able to say amen to that and you're excited about that, that Christ died for your sins and you are forgiven and you're forever free and there is no bondage on you whatsoever because the bondage was on Him and you are set free, if you understand that, then you know there's power at the cross and you know there's wisdom there. And so Paul knows there's two kinds of people out there, those that are looking for the wisdom of God and those that are under the wisdom of the world. Let's talk about the wisdom of the world. Paul addressed those that know nothing of God. These are people who crave information in order to be enlightened, but they don't want to hear about the cross. To them, the cross is foolishness. It just doesn't make sense. To those that are looking for the wisdom of the world, They're asking for enlightenment. In Missouri, what kind of a state are we in? Missouri, we are the what kind of state? The show me state. We have to say show me and then we'll believe it, right? Well, what do you think God is doing at the cross if it's not showing us exactly how much He loves us? He's showing us how critical our sin is. The wages of sin is death, complete death for sin. That's what he's showing you. And then he's going to show you his ability to forgive your sin and to come out of the grave victorious. He is the winner. He is showing you who he is. Now, if you're here this morning and you just want information, that's a lot of information. I'm telling you, the Son of God came to this world, died on a cross, rose again on the third day, that's a lot of information. But if you're sitting here going, yeah, but that doesn't do a lot for me. If you're only interested in being informed with information, you're never going to be saved. Because it's not information that just saves you. It's not knowing the facts. It's knowing God. It's embracing Him. It's yielding to Him. It's letting your sin be the sin that's on the cross. Letting your life be the life that's on the cross. Letting His resurrection become your resurrection. It is transferring everything to Him. That's what saves you, not information. Now, if you're into the wisdom of the world, Paul is really saying, that he is teaching the wisdom of the cross, not the kind that you're looking for, but the wisdom that comes from God. I know a Christmas song that's one of an interesting Christmas song that is called Strange Way to Save the World. Anybody know that song? 
It's a strange way to save the world, to come as a baby and to live a life that's fairly hum- pretty humble, a carpenter's son, and to grow up in Nazareth and then to call out 12 people of fishermen and various guys, have a following, and then go around the, the Judea teaching and healing and then dying on the cross and rising from the dead. That's a strange way to save the world. How would you have saved the world? You've seen too many superhero movies. You've been into too many supermans and, and, and different ones that would come, and what you would do is come and get rid of all the bad people and somehow collect all the good people, and God comes and saves the bad people and tells the good people they're not good enough. It's a strange way to save the world. But it's the only way that God has chosen to save through His Son, through the cross. And so there's great wisdom in this. All right, keep going in your Bibles. Let's continue to read through verses starting in verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, some of you think, well, maybe they knew it when they were seeing it all. They didn't know it. That's why they killed him. You don't kill the Savior in trusting him. Verse 9, but as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear has heard or has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things Yes, the deep things of God. Now, I want to confess to you, those of you who have taken a discipleship class that I have led, and I may lead it again, uh, on heaven. Now, I love talking about heaven, and I love teaching about heaven, and I believe the Bible has a lot to say about heaven. And I love doing that study on heaven, because I don't think we know enough about it to be excited to go there. Like a lot of people are, well, not too excited about it. I want you to be excited about it. But I do want to make a a confession. I have misused this verse as a verse about heaven. What verse am I talking about? I'm talking about verse 9. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. How many of you have thought that's about heaven? Eye has not seen nor ear has heard what God is preparing for us. I used to use that verse as a heaven verse. It is not. Look at it in the context of what Paul is saying. Paul is saying there is a mystery to wisdom. There is something hidden. And it says, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. And yet verse 10 says, but God has revealed it. What is it that is a mystery that is hidden but yet is now revealed? Your eyes have been opened to the truth of Jesus Christ. If you are a believer, your eye has seen, your ear has heard of all the things that God has prepared for you. You are seeing it right now. Does this make sense? It says, no eye has heard, no eye has seen, no ear, no eye has heard. I'll I'll guarantee that. Uh, No eye has seen, 
no ear has heard all that God has prepared for him except for those of us who have seen and have heard the power of the cross. It's the, it's the power of God. Now, let's look back at the, the spirit of the world. That the, the wisdom. What, is, what spirit really controls you? In verses 9 to 11, Paul talks about a different kind of spirit also. God has revealed to them, to us, through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. Verse 11, For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 11 shows us our greatest dilemma. Our greatest dilemma is, are we controlled by the Spirit of this world Or are we being controlled by the Spirit of God? Some of you feel like you're torn in half between my Spirit and the Spirit of God. Well, there is a struggle between the flesh and the Spirit. Every one of us face that. But when it comes to control, when it comes to which one is supreme, I'm telling you, we need to have the Spirit of God over the controlling of ourselves. And we are the only ones that can have this. Only the believers in Christ can have the Holy Spirit in control of us. Isn't that, that's exciting. And if there's something you need in 2015, is that the Holy Spirit of God would be in control of you this year and me. The Spirit of God. But it also says in verse 11 that there is the spirit of man or the spirit of the world. What does this look like? Paul differentiates the seekers of wisdom, the, the kinds of spirits between the world and God. The spirit of this world, Paul states, is the spirit of man. It is the wisdom of man. The spirit of the world or the spirit within a person is also referred to as the natural man. This is the spirit, listen to this, that lives in contrast or in opposition to God. Just because, listen, just because you are a believer in Christ does not mean that there are not times when you are in opposition to Him. It's called sin. It's called rebellion. It's called selfishness. You can name it all kinds of ways, but I'm telling you, just because you're a Christian today does not mean that you're an automatic robot controlled by the Spirit. What must we do to allow the Spirit to be in control? We must trust the power of the cross and trust the wisdom of God to be in control of our lives every single day. Every day. And somebody like, oh, doesn't that get tiring? Not when you're in touch with the power of God. Every day you have power. And so go to God. Ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him for His control. Do not get your wisdom from the world. 
Now, I, I would guess, how many of you have tried this? How many of you have tried to get wisdom from this world? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. You've, got, you've tried to figure it out on your own. How many of you have tried that? Try to do it on your own. How many of you would say That's, that works? No, think about it. No, it does not. Because we know that God's ways are best. God's ways are not only best, God's ways work. God's ways are best and God's ways work. Why don't we do it God's way? That's being in control by the Spirit and not being controlled by the Spirit of the world. Well, I want to share another illustration. I think I messed up on our slides back here. Guys, go back to the main point. Uh, One famous uh, quote about preaching. Every sermon should have at least one point. Marvin, would you agree with that? Every sermon ought to have at least one point. Because if it doesn't, well, it doesn't have any point. Here's the main point this morning. The church of Jesus Christ is a church that is focused on the wisdom and the power of the cross. We must be a people focused on the wisdom and power of the cross. If the church is going to be focused on the power of the cross, don't you think it has to be us? We must be. I must be focused on Jesus and the cross and the wisdom of God. A um, story came out about World War II, about Pearl Harbor. The story goes like this. There was a man at Pearl Harbor. He had gone to a Bible study that night before the big attack. The group was asked to share their verses, and he couldn't think of a verse. The next day, when the Japanese attacked, the guns on the ship were filled with blanks. They'd been doing some practicing and various things, and they did it with blanks. He said for 15 minutes, he shot at the enemy with blanks, fake ammunition. And God spoke to him in that instant and told him he was no different than the gun that he was shooting. He only had the appearance of power, but really he had nothing. He vowed that day to study the Word of God and with the help of God to grow up to be a real Christian. Let me ask you today, is your gun loaded? I mean, do you have power? And out of this world, there is no power in this world that is, that is uh, going to accomplish eternal significance. The only power there is, is the power of God displayed mostly at the cross for you. It's the cross that is the power of God. Paul said, this is what I preach. I preach Jesus and I preach Him crucified. If you're here this morning and that doesn't make sense to you, I'm telling you, God is calling you to the cross. Check it out. If you're here this morning and you know that that's the power of God, do you see it in your life? Do you see the power of God in your life? And I'm not talking about a warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm not talking about I've become a nicer person. I'm talking about when times are tough, when difficulties come, do you have power from God? Do you have the wisdom 
of God. Let's finish this chapter out in verse 13 and verse 12. Now we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Do you see that in verse 12? There have been things given to us. You know what was given to you? You didn't have to do anything for it. The cross. I didn't ask Him to be crucified. I didn't ask Him to come and save the world this way. It just happened, and it's a gift to me and to you. It's a gift. Verse 13, these things also we've spoken, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but the natural man, you remember that? The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can we know them, nor nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Verses 13 to 16 here, talking about wisdom of the world, wisdom of man, the natural man, listen, the natural person, the good person, the person that goes to church but has never come to Christ, the person that goes to church cannot understand the cross. Now, some of you, I know you're looking at me going, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been in church all my life. I've heard about the cross all my life. I don't care how long you've learned about the cross. If you are a natural man or a natural woman, you cannot understand the cross. Because the Bible says it is spiritually understood. And if you haven't had the birth of Christ within you, you can't understand it. It's, the Bible says you'll say it's foolishness. Now, some of you are saying, well, I would never call the cross foolishness. Oh, yeah? You know how you call the cross foolishness? You come to church and you go out and you live your life any way you want to. You just called the cross foolish. You don't have to literally say it's foolish. You just have to live like it's irrelevant. Is the cross relevant to you? I know it's a little difficult to do a message in one time. I know Tim, Tim gets to go week by week and go through an entire book of the Bible. If you're here trying to do a message to grip you, to grip us, and to grip me for 2015, what do I need to know? I guarantee you one thing we need to know is there is power at the cross. There is salvation in no other except the name of Jesus Christ. That I am hopeless and I am helpless without the cross of Christ. I need to know this. I need to be reminded of this. And if there's in 2015, if there's a time, and I I pray there's never a time, that we might not get along as a church at any time, 
as a family? Can we get back to this? And can this be the power that unifies us? Can we come back together and say we love Jesus? And there is power at the cross for us. Lastly, I would just like to share this last statement. What kind of a church do we want to be? What kind of a person are you going to be in 2015? What is your reaction to the cross? What is your thoughts about Jesus? Is the cross foolishness to you, or is it the power and wisdom of God? If you back up in chapter 2 to the last verse of chapter 1, Paul says, it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Paul says in Galatians that I boast in nothing except the cross. That's what I'm going to brag about. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what Jesus has done. What do you need from God? What do you want from God? Have you thought this yet? I mean, I'm not talking about a resolution. I'm talking about prayer life. I'm talking about your prayer life. What are you asking God for? Can I give you one if you haven't started that list? Would you ask God for wisdom? Would you ask Him for power? Not selfish power, His power. His power. You know what He's going to do? Probably, especially after this message, probably. He's going to remind you of the cross where there is both wisdom and power. And I know some of you are thinking, how does that apply to my life right now? All right, if you're struggling in your relationship, if you're struggling at work, if you're struggling with life itself, would you not just ask God to help you in that with His power and His wisdom? You know He is for you. He's not against you. And would you just let God in your life more than He is? Stop trying to figure it out on your own. That might be the greatest wisdom you could do this year. Stop doing it on your own. Go to God and let God, who's already showed you, people of Missouri, He's already shown you where the power is. Let's bow together. Father God, I just ask that in this passage where we look at the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of God, controlled by you, or controlled by ourselves, that we would embrace your cross, we would embrace the reality that we are nothing without you. God, I pray that we're a church at 2015 that is bold and courageous with the cross of Christ. That we would not be ashamed of the cross because it is the power of God unto salvation. 
God, help us to know the difference between the wisdom of the world, which is fleeting and useless, and the wisdom of God, which is eternal. God, help us make the right choice. Help us to follow you. May your spirit work in us. And if the cross is foolishness, God, may you open their eyes that they might see wisdom and power. In Jesus' name.